Welcome to Hallmark Up with Mary and Sarah. Welcome to season two of Hallmark Up. In this episode, Mary and I will be discussing Jingle Bell Bride. Have a little listen to our banter before we kick off the episode. This was like the most diverse cast I think I've ever seen them have, ever. That's true, that's true. It took place in Alaska. The woman who was the musician, Renee, was Asian. Her old Asian parents were at the wedding. I'm pretty sure that Jessica was Latina. Yeah, she was. Mm-hmm. And her sister obviously was. And then her, her niece obviously was. And they sp- they spoke a bit of Spanish in the show. Like, they, obviously, we had the black family from, that was, what was his name, Matt? Because most of them are usually, like, entirely white people. And this was quite different to that. I already was like, oh, shit, here we go again. Like, I'm going to actually commit. My, we talked about it at the preview. Like, we can't believe we signed up to do another <laughs> however many weeks of watching these. And and even doing two in one weekend felt like such a chore. And we only watched half of them, which is what is unbelievable to me. And we technically could have watched all four. Wait, to because clarify, of how they we watched half them. of the movies that premiered this weekend. Yes. But we did not watch half of each movie. No, that's We watched the full movies. We watched two of the four movies that were on this weekend, knowing that the storyline is probably one of three. And that gives us a good opportunity to sort of transition into our kind of synopsis segment. Yeah, because we should to recap. So this the one of these storylines that it is, the classic Hallmark storyline, is of course big city career woman meets small town boy. And gets stuck in said small town due to right. weather, which is I mean this this there are, you're right. The cliches are abundant in this movie, but how they resolved them wasn't as typical as they normally would be, which I did actually quite enjoy a bit of change. So we should. We should go back. First of all, we're um, talking about the first movie of the season out, of course, October 24th, because that's when I get in the Christmas spirit. And it was Jingle Bell Bride, starring Latina Julia Gonzalo and African-American Ronnie Rowe Jr. So Julia is playing Jessica Perez, which is actually playing a Latina woman. And Ronnie Rowe Jr., he's African-American. He's playing Matt, the florist. So take us back, Mary. What's your uh, take on, your recap on how this movie went? All right. So I started out my three check marks because the first three things we learned when this movie started were just such like, oh, yes, of course, it's a Hallmark movie. Check sort of things. And those were workaholic New Yorker, canceling her Christmas plans for work and up for promotion. So, oh, um, yes, those would be all three things you could potentially see on a bingo card. I would. They, they are. So I not to foreshadow the bingo card moment. But um, so Jessica is a workaholic New Yorker. She is an event planner in particular. She is a wedding planner. Um, it, it is notable to mention and we will see that both Sarah's and my professions are featured in this movie. So it was that kind was of actually quite exciting. We, we yeah, it was get there just yet, but we, we do get there. But it was very we, we do get there. I, I'm not a florist. Spoiler alert. So she is planning a wedding for Renee, who is a um, huge pop star and going to be the biggest celebrity wedding of the year. 
and she's canceling all of her Christmas plans for this wedding because this wedding is happening on Christmas Eve. And she's up for a big promotion. If she gets the promotion, she will head up their international office in London. Now, Renee is, you know, it's funny because there are scenes when Renee seems like she's like, okay. And then there are scenes where you're like, what a bridezilla. And one of Renee's bridezilla moments is after Jessica has already ordered her a rare rose that only grows on the side of a volcano in Ecuador. She has changed her mind entirely about the flowers that she wants. And now she wants the jingle bell flower, which I've looked it up. It's a type of fuchsia, if anyone's, if anyone cares. And too bad that it's out of season and absolutely no one has one anywhere. Well, and don't forget, she wants the jingle bell flowers because like her grandparents had them at their wedding or something like that. There was a, there was like a kind of, sentimental reason for it but presumably they didn't get married in december because this shit doesn't grow in december that's what it sounds like for sure i, I looked it up it doesn't actually that's, that's <laughs> this is true but this is the magical like you know wedding planning company where they have to make every bride's every dream come true no matter how unreasonable it is oh yes the the boss of uh, jessica implies so uh, as much on several occasions Right. So there are dozens of, you know, wedding planners in New York, she says, who could get Renee like a good enough flower. Brides come to us to make their every dream come true, no matter how outrageous. Okay. So luckily for Jessica, she finds out that there is a small town in Alaska um, called Tapiza that has an annual Jingle Bell flower festival. And they presumably cultivate these in greenhouses so they can grow out of season in freaking Alaska. So they, you know, grow lots of these flowers for this festival every year. And so she calls the mayor of this town and asks if she can, you know, of the flowers. And the mayor accepts the offer. And so she flies to Alaska to get the flowers because you can't just like have someone like mail you these flowers, right? You have to go get them. So she goes and she is greeted by Matt, whose family has been growing the Jingle Bell flowers for generations. It is a family of florists. And, you know, they're packing up the Jingle Bell flowers and all ready to go. But, of course, she meets one mishap after another that keeps her in Alaska. So first, it's because... What's the first mishap? I think it might be weather. Is the first mishap weather? Yeah, I think so. There's some kind of storm. Yeah, there's some kind of storm. And then after that, there's... Oh, wait, um, no, no, no. His truck gets stuck. Oh, his truck gets stuck. Then there's uh, some sort of weather delay. And then there's the airplane needs a part and they can't get it for three days. And there's no other airport within a 10-hour drive. And... Comedy of errors, as per usual, when there's travel and snow and things like this involved in Hallmark. Right. So long story short, she ends up staying with Matt's Aunt Mary, a lovely older woman who has been a florist for her whole life in Alaska, like you do. Do you know, and, I thought it was his mother for like most of the movie. I have to oh, admit, yeah. I must have missed that bit. I figured it out eventually because he said, eventually she said something about his cousin. And I was like, oh, that's his cousin. And then he said Aunt Mary, but I was very yeah. confused for a while there. Yeah, that was Aunt Mary. So she's staying with Aunt Mary, who, by the way, apparently Alaskan florists make bank because Aunt Mary lives in an amazing house that must have 16 bedrooms. I don't even know. Um, It was humongous. And and every single bedroom apparently is decorated like, you know, a Christmas display. 
A Christmas um, display in Alaska, no less, as well. Like, like you know, very, very themed for what we were looking for, I could imagine. But you're right. It would have cost an arm and a leg to even just have those Christmas decorations, let alone the house. Right. So anyways, long story short, she stays for the Jingle Bell Festival, though she didn't intend to. She is crowned Jingle Bell Princess, which is apparently a thing they do. And of course, predictably, she and Matt fall in love. Now, it is revealed at some point that Matt, and this is another first for Hallmark, as far as I'm aware, is divorced. Um, Yes. So Matt lived in New York up until two years ago where he was working on a dissertation. It's not clear in what subject, but he was working on a dissertation. And then he got divorced and he wanted to leave. And around the same time, his uncle, Aunt Mary's husband, um, passed away. And so he decided to go back home to Alaska, where he was born and raised, to help Aunt Mary with, with the flower business you know, in the absence of her husband. And now, you know, two years have passed and Aunt Mary and everyone else are starting to think it's time for him to go back to New York and get on with his life. And so this is obviously set up to where wouldn't it be perfect if he went back to New York and got on his life, got on with his life with Jessica, which of course at the end is what happens. Along the way, Jessica is threatened with losing the Renee bridal account because of all of these delays, there are worries that she won't make it back in time for the wedding. They give the account to somebody else, this rival who's been kind of a bitch to her since the beginning of the movie and been kind of passive aggressive about it. But she makes it back at last minute. Renee's happy as can be. She has the Jingle Bell flowers. She gets the promotion, turns down the promotion because she's realized how much family is important. She's realized this spending time with Matt's family and she wants to be closer to her sister and her niece and the rest of her family in New York. Matt, on the day of Renee's wedding, which I guess is Christmas Eve, flies to New York and surprises her in a lovely suit and tells her... He looks real good. He looked very nice, yes. He's one of the better-looking Hallmark men of of recent times. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so so was the Hallmark man in the other movie we watched, to be fair, Chateau Christmas. But we'll get to that in another episode. That's right. Um, So looking dazzling in his suit, tells her that, you know, he thought she might need a date to the reception, which, of course, she accepts. And then he tells her that he's moving back to New York and he called up the dean and is going to be teaching classes at this university down the street, starting, you know, with the beginning of spring semester. And he wants to, you know, like get on with his life in New York and give things a shot with Jessica. And of course, they kiss and presumably live happily ever after. Yeah, that's also not how academic appointments work, but we'll get there. That's right. Well, yeah, that definitely sums it up for me. I think it was, we talked about this a bit at the beginning and we can talk a little bit more. This was definitely the most multicultural movie I've seen in a long time from Hallmark. And, you know, we'll get into how we would rewrite it down the track. But I did want to mention something that I talked about in our preview episode. And I didn't know if you got to see it or not, Mary. Because I watch Hallmark on Sling, and I know you were watching it on cable. And so the the commercials might not have been the same. But I saw this commercial for Folgers, because I talked about how they stuffed up their Folgers game last year, which is a Zoom call where the guy is on a Zoom call with no pants on. Yep. And it was another very creative Folgers ad. And I, you know, I know they were obviously the product placement of the year company, in Hallmark movies, but I want to just give some props out to Folgers because that commercial is very now and it was really well done. And whoever is doing your ads right now is doing a great job. And it, and it made me laugh while well, I'm another thing, to, the be, Hallmark movie. 
to be fair, it used to be that a really obvious Folgers product placement was a bingo square for Hallmark movies. And I don't think it is anymore. Now they just have, they just frequently buy ad space. Right. But there's no longer, it used to be that there was always a shot where um, they would like pan a kitchen on like a snowy morning and like conspicuously like zoom in on like a Folgers can and then pan over to one of the protagonists like taking a deep sniff of their coffee and like you know exhaling contentedly that's right almost like visually best part of waking up right it was like definitely it, it definitely used to be that there was just a Folgers commercial baked into every Hallmark movie and to be fair I don't think there is anymore I would agree. But anyway, I did want to talk about that because I thought it was really interesting. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. So I think we should talk about, now that we sort of summed up what happened in this movie, what uh, our favorite bingo moments were. Um, I actually wrote down a couple because this one, like, I mean, as you said at the start, we had a few, but... My two choices for this movie were, first of all, getting snowed in, full stop, is definitely a square on the bingo card. I mean, to think, even when she said, oh, I'm only going to be in Alaska for 22 hours, like, if you were her real boss, you would have said, you're not flying to Alaska to get those flowers. That's really stupid. Because anybody going to Alaska in December is not coming back in 22 hours. That's just unrealistic. And plus, she had to go on like some tiny private plane. Like, there's no way, there's no way this was going to happen. But anyway, so that was one of mine. And then also, I believe they went to a Christmas tree lighting, which is also a square on the on the bingo card when they turn on the lights at the Christmas tree lighting. But they often do it like two days before Christmas. And and I don't know about you, but like, I have actually attended a Christmas tree lighting, and I attended it in Seattle last year. And it was the day after Thanksgiving. So if yeah. you're not turning on your Christmas tree in your town square till like the 23rd of December, you don't have much Christmas spirit, I would say. <laughs> so take that, Hallmark. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Peter I've been White. to Philly. Christmas tree says. lighting should not happen that close to Christmas. What about you? What are your bingo moments? I mean, I kind of already said mine. I was just sort of impressed by how dedicated they were to like checking all the boxes on the like career woman stereotype. Right. Um, she's even kind of a bitch at the beginning. Um, yeah, she kind of is. I would agree. She's a workaholic New Yorker, cancels her Christmas plans on her family for work. Um, her family's complaining about never seeing her. She's up for a promotion and she'll do anything to get the promotion. And then when she goes to the small town, like she's kind of a bitch about it. Like everything that happens, she's kind of for the first, you know, 30 minutes of the movie, like supremely unimpressed by and kind of like disgusted that, I don't know, there's like a moose blocking traffic or whatever. That's right. Uh, Cool. Well, this movie definitely ticked off some bingo boxes, but in the end, I think it ultimately surprised us slightly with some of the, how they, like I said, how they chose to solve things. But let's think about what was actually relatable. I do think this was slightly harder, although the movie was relatively semi-unpredictable there were still some things that I could relate to and the one that I wrote down was that he was divorced so usually there's like a widower or you know we talked about the preview how they often just like break up with someone in the same room as the person that they're gonna go be with instead and everybody's like not angry about that that's all fine you know there's always amicable breakups and widows or widowers I should say But this guy was divorced. He talked openly about it. Nobody judged him for being divorced. And I think that's real life. 
Totally. So if we want to talk about relatable moments in terms of things I can personally relate to, I can relate to coming off as a bitch at the beginning. Um, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, that's fair. Also, one of my very best friends, it's a thing we joke about all the time, that the first time I met her, I was like, what is wrong with you? And now we're best friends. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I can relate to that. You make bad first impressions. That's that's fine. That's- that's all right. I pretty usually stick to my first impression. I hardly ever change my mind. Only occasionally, and even those times, the handful of times, probably half of those times, I regretted changing my mind. <laughs> so, so, so I, you know, usually make up my mind. But that's a good one. That's a good one. The fact that she was a bitch at the start. That's great. So now the next part of our show is our regular viewers will be used to is where we sort of go back in time and find the take out our red pens and rewrite the movie mary and i started talking about this before we started recording i I actually think i had a hard time figuring out what they did wrong i mean there is definitely some predictable hallmark stuff in this movie like we talked about but i think for the first one now my expectations for movies going forward will not be this high because i can i can't imagine them doing all of the movies multiculturally, picking stronger decisions for the women. You know, I can't imagine every script is going to have taken on board our suggestions this year and make the make them more real. Because I just don't think they would be willing to do that. that. Potentially, they would alienate some of their audience that they love. So, and in fact, we talked about how some of their audience is alienated already by the fact that they want to have a gay adoption in one of their movies this year. So, but I do think that They did a pretty good job for this one. I would normally have told you that what would have happened is she never would have gone back to New York. She would have been fine with the other woman doing the wedding. And because she was now in love with the guy she met 10 seconds ago. And she was going to even leave her sister and her niece and live happily ever after in Tapisa, Alaska. Population 112. Well, 113, now that she has arrived, you know. Good like, point, good point. And Maybe 114 this that's time right, at Christmas. That's right, and in, in, in no less than nine months' time. So, you know, like, I think the way they normally would have done this movie is exactly that. And she, you know, she never, she never would have even hardly had to move. She just would have bought all her stuff in Alaska and stayed there forever. And, you know, and you just see them, like, kissing under the gazebo and they're never leaving town. But they didn't do that for this. I, I actually thought it was interesting that she didn't go to London and she picked not to go to London. At one point, I did say this to Mary, I wish that she had gone to London. But then Mary rightly pointed out that she chose to stay in New York because of her family, not because of the guy, which I thought was great. I was glad that she went back to be successful at her job and that even the bride was happy with her success at bringing I don't know how they got that archway of Jingle Bell flowers there, by the way, because that I did not know how they did that. Well, I mean, I assume they would transport the flowers and then construct the archway. Like, but like on the that site. would take a long time. To yeah, do. well, but, I guess you probably know a whole lot more about the mechanics of constructing flower archways than I do. Well, I just I just was surprised. But anyway, they had everything on her list. The bride was very impressed with her. She got the promotion. She turned it down to stay with her family. And that was nothing to do with the guy. And then the guy came after her, which I don't think that ever happens unless the guy is the protagonist in the story. Like, unless the story is actually about the guy and not about the girl. That's true. Though it's also, I hesitate to give them too much credit for that because, like, the guy flying across the country and showing up at a wedding for her is this grand gesture. 
it might not be a Hallmark trope, but it is like a done-to-death rom-com trope. That's very true. That's very true. And and maybe in some ways it's kind of creepy because they don't really know each other very well. Right. And he does just like show up unannounced at, on Christmas Eve know, at her work. Know where the wedding is going to be. I mean, I guess she was famous. You probably could look it up. But like, I don't know. You're right. That was kind of creepy. I do think, though, that for the first one of the year, this is pretty good. If I was to criticize anything... It would probably be the bit about London only because I have lived and worked all over the world and would see that as too good of an opportunity and, you know, wouldn't mind a time where she decides that her career is important over being with a dude. But again, she didn't necessarily turn that down because of the dude. And for what it's worth, I agree with Sarah that, like, if we take this movie on its own terms for what it is, and what it is as a Hallmark movie, and what a Hallmark movie is, is formulaic, it's not bad. Like, it's it's a solid start to the season. It's just that, again, like, I, I personally get bored with this kind of formulaic movie, though I also, you know, unlike Sarah, I'm not a huge fan of, like, the rom-com genre in general. So even if it were a good movie on those terms, it probably wouldn't be my thing. Right. So if we're going to rewrite this in a way that makes me happy personally. I don't know. I mean, I think we could add aliens. Oh, there's definitely things we could do that would make it cooler. Or like Russians. I don't know, like spies or some shit or like. Oh, because you can see Russia from Alaska. Right, right. So maybe that would be good. There's definitely things you could do. Or maybe like the other thing I don't think they ever do in Hallmark is that. Ne- well, sometimes they do, I guess. But like there's there's no ghosts. Like, you know, there's, there's there plenty of things. There never goes, yeah. You could Maybe make, that's what we need. Maybe Aunt Mary's house needs to be haunted. It didn't quite feel like it was that old to me, but but maybe there is. Maybe it there could have been. That's right. It definitely could have been. We do have that guy that's time traveling a bit. That's technically a ghost. But ghosts, I think, honestly, ghosts make everything better. They do. And also the fact that this was the first premiere of the year and it premiered a week before Halloween, I think makes this an excellent candidate for adding a ghost or two. Well, and even that time travel one, I'm pretty sure it doesn't turn up to like the 15th of November, which again, you could totally put that one on Halloween night if it's like an old ghostly kind of thing. So, so that would be, that's some good advice for next year. Maybe like any movie that turns up before Halloween or around Halloween should incorporate ghosts because you may as well do that when you're confusing holidays to begin with. And ghost stories used to be a thing for Christmas, right? Like the song, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmas as long as they're ghost stories. That's right. And and, and the Christmas Carol is all about ghosts. The ghost story. So So, here's my proposal for a rewind moment. Cool. We've got cool. the moment in the kitchen where Matt's talking to Aunt Mary and we find out what his past is. And his past, of course, is that he was getting a PhD and that he was married and now he's divorced and he came back to Alaska. What if there's more to it than that? What if he didn't just come back to Alaska because of his personal reasons and because Aunt Mary was recently widowed? What if Aunt Mary was recently widowed and also having to deal with the poltergeist by herself. And he wanted to make sure that that got under control. That that could be interesting. Do we think the poltergeist is bad or is it actually the ghost of her ex-husband or her dead husband? I don't know if we want to go a ghost of the dead husband route or not. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not the dead husband because it's probably too soon. But may- maybe some ghost is is damaging their flower crop. There we go. There we <laughs> go. Don't and know it's why. been happening for years, and it's been happening for years. But Uncle, what's his face? I don't know if we know his uncle's name or not. I don't think so. But like I said, I didn't even realize there was his aunt and uncle for quite some time. So Aunt Mary's deceased husband apparently was a gifted medium. All right, and so he kept the ghosts at bay while he was alive. Ah, but now. Yes. Now that he's gone, you know, there's no one to keep the ghosts at bay. And the ghosts anyone's were like, game. Anyone's, anyone's game. And the ghosts were threatening the Jingle Bell flower crop. And that's why Matt came home. Because when Matt was growing up, he learned all of his ways, uncle's, you know, medium ghost fighting shit. ways. Yeah, all, of, all the medium shit. Exactly. Oh, and so, that's yeah, that's what's revealed there. So then do you think that, with all this knowledge that he has, do you think he would share this with Jessica? Like maybe he has to, maybe, maybe as a, he, maybe he's a professor of like communicating with the dead and he has to go back to New York to like get the ghosts out of her life as well. You know what? There have been movies that have made up academic disciplines before. I'm looking at you, the Da Vinci Code. So like we can definitely make up an academic discipline that doesn't exist. He is definitely the world's leading scholar of phantasmology. Which is the study of ghosts and of communication with the dead. And I don't think he's going to just like come out and tell Jessica, like you're sleeping in a haunted house and like there's a poltergeist and like, you know, sleep with one eye open. I think she's going to find out. Well, I would say that he probably has kept all of the ghosts at bay, but maybe he hasn't kept the uncle's ghost at bay. So maybe the uncle's ghost, just because he likes having him around, maybe the uncle's ghost does appear to Jessica one night and, and kind of freaks her out. And then he has to have a conversation with her to say, well, that's the good ghost that I keep here for myself. Right. And the good ghost, the reason he appeared to Jessica is because he had to warn somebody that the bad ghost was going to come back for the flower festival. They need to keep him at bay in order to save the flower festival. And he was going to attack Jessica in particular because she's the Jingle Bell princess. Right, right, right. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So then, obviously, all of this is able to, like, get resolved with the magical skills of Matt. I mean, I have to admit, I'm picturing, like, some kind of, like, pack gun thing, Ghostbuster-esque, that, like, captures the poltergeist. And then... I feel like the fact that they end up back in New York means they're surely living in a fire station where they're like organizing weddings and busting ghosts at at like every turn. It definitely does. I think what remains to be seen though is what exactly Jessica's role is in banishing the poltergeist because I think it has to be a team effort that brings them together, you know? Oh, that's true. Maybe his methodology is not very organized. (laughs) Maybe his methodology is not very organized. And as an event planner, she has noticed that, like, the seating arrangement is really going to disrupt what he's trying to do. Yeah. And so, you know, if she can just tweak that and, like, work on the flower arrangements in such a way that, like, they're still beautiful, but the ghost can't hide in them anymore. Right. You know, like, she's just got to spruce everything up a bit to sort of, like, get his methodology where it needs to be. And then they can banish the ghosts back to the North Pole, which is where ghosts come from. Of course. And then and then after that, he remembers that, you know, now that Aunt Mary's house is safe, and now that he remembers that his true passion is, in fact, for ghost busting, and he would like to share his ghost busting with the world through his 
extremely weirdly easily obtained academic position That's at right. this New York University. You know, now he can move on with his life, go back to New York and give things a shot with Jessica. And they're both making each other better because, you know, she is making his ghost busting more methodical and organized and he is making her events more ghost free. Ghost free. I think. And that is something that, as we've talked about many times, that Hallmark is very good at, like, having these kind of very specialist career choices for some of their people. Like the fact that they could have they could be like specialist you want to have your wedding at a old mansion, but worried about the ghost that might disrupt your wedding. Yep. You know who to call. And here we are, Matt and Jessica, Ghostbuster events extraordinaire or whatever. Like, you know, it would be almost say yes to the dress meets ghost hunters. Like yeah. that, that is like what they do. And Or maybe you know, they can also have a surface service for people who particularly like ghosts to interrupt their wedding. That's true. Do you want to invite ghosts? We can right. bring do you want grandma to come to your wedding and she's unable to attend? <laughs> we can, we, you just we went can, there, Sarah. You just went there. There it was. And... I, know, I know. We can make it happen for you. You know, so, and to be fair, that's actually a show I would watch. I, yeah, I'd watch that show. Because I like, like, Tyler, whatever his name is, the medium kid. And, you know, <laughs> like I like ghost hunters at Halloween time. And I like to watch Say Yes to the Dress. Because those people are insane on there. So, you know, like a show where they were like, get the ghosts out or bring the ghost into your wedding. Wow. That would be a show that, you know, it probably would have to be on like Discovery or TLC or maybe even E, depending on how it goes. I don't know if Hallmark could host such a show. But to develop characters in a Hallmark movie, that's definitely something they're capable of doing. Right, exactly. Imagine that you can call these people and engage their services to make it so that your event has exactly the amount of ghosts that you want. Wow. I mean, I think they could branch out from just weddings, though, for sure. They could. They definitely could. definitely would be like, can I please have you help me with my Halloween party? Absolutely. Um, Halloween would be a very busy My murder mystery party needs some real ghosts to attend. You know? Definitely. the family reunions, like there's, there's a, actually, this is a very untapped market. And I feel like, you know, somebody with the right skills is going to hear this and uh, start this company. I think it'll become a trend with corporate events. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And you, everyone will think they're like at the Haunted Mansion in Disney, but in reality, it's just what's really happening. Right. Um, it'll be great. It'll there's be so people great. dancing in ye olde costumes, but they're actual ghosts that have been yep. hired by this agency to come and attend the event. You want to see what it was like to be at the theater when Lincoln was shot? We'll, re- we'll recreate it for you with the people that were there. Yeah. yeah. Pretty exciting. Anyway, well, that that definitely was not what I expected for this, uh, this rewrite of this movie. But, in fact, I don't even know if you could call it Jingle Bell Bride anymore. We might have to change the name. But we wouldn't want to give away too much. So maybe, maybe it is still an appropriate name. Yeah. For the movie. But that kind of probably wraps up Jingle Bell Bride, unless you have any other tips or tricks or anything like that, Mary, that you want to include in this one. I think I'm good. Do we still want to look forward to one of next week's movies and make predictions about it? Oh, yeah. Let me, um, because we, we have done another movie this week, which we're not really uh, going to get into in this episode, but we will talk about it in, a, in another episode. So but next weekend, we've got what we've got. What's new? I know there's the royalty one and there's one other. Yes. So, well, there will be probably four again. Yeah. 
So we have One Royal Holiday, which I'm mm-hmm. almost positive is a musical based on the, the trailers I saw this weekend. Interesting. Which is great. And then on the 12th date of Christmas. Ah, yes. Um, is the, the the scavenger hunt one that we think is kind of lame. And then over on the other channel, which we haven't seen any of these trailers, by the way, we have Cranberry Christmas, a separated couple feign marital bliss on national television to help their town's Christmas festival and their business. And then we also have, oh, the one that we kind of would like to watch, Holly and Ivy, because we decided that would be a great title for a movie. Is uh, it says when Melody's neighbor Nina learns of her ill her illness has returned, Melody promises to keep Nina's kids Holly and Ivy together. To adopt the children, she must renovate her new fixer-upper, which she does with the help of contractor and surely to be new boyfriend Adam. So those are the four. But I would like to watch Holly and Ivy, but it's a 10 p.m. or on a Sunday night, so probably not going to happen. I'm definitely down for one royal holiday. Because I love that theme. And uh, we'll see what happens. So how about this? Let's make our predictions for One Royal Holiday. So So, what do you think One Royal Holiday is about, Mary? Well, I mean, I know what it's about from the preview episode. But then also, we kind of know what it's about. Because it's like Hallmark's requisite royalty movie. Where someone royal is going to end up in small town USA. And woo, you know, the girl next door. And they'll live happily ever after. And she'll be a princess. Um, I have to admit, though, they usually go to the other country. They're not usually in America. Oh, do they? Okay. I, I don't think I've actually seen any of the royalty ones before. Yeah, they're always in the other country. Like, okay. E- even the Netflix one, they were in the other place. So I, th- I think that this is sort of a little bit of a spin on that. They often met in America, but then they find out they're a prince and then they have to go over there. You know, sort well, they of. They find like, out they're a prince, like Princess Diary style. Right. Okay. Exactly. Well, this guy. This guy doesn't, though. He's the Prince of Gallic, all right? We know this from preview night. And he and his mother are going to get, like, snowed in and, like, stranded in this small town. And she's going to take them in at her inn because, like you do, I guess all the five-star hotels for hosting royalty were full. So she's going to take them in at her inn. So now here's what we can predict. Which Hallmark bingo card-worthy Christmas customs is he going to find surprising, amusing, or, you know, like or unlike what they do in Gallic? That's a good that's a good one. I think that there will be a song like a Christmas carol that he is unfamiliar with that's like her favorite family Christmas carol. That'll like definitely happen. That they always have at the inn at a at Christmas Eve and he didn't know it and somehow he will like learn how to play it or like you know he would be so moved by this carol that he will do some obscure love gesture in relation to the song what about you i think that he'll share a tradition of galwick and i think it'll be something really romantic to the effect of like you have to you know like all unmarried galwickians have to like Kiss the person next to them or something? Yeah, something weird like that. Like, yeah. To have good luck for the rest of their days or something. Yeah, and they have to do this at, like, you know, Christmas Eve. I guess this is not that unlike New Year's Eve where you're supposed to kiss someone at midnight, except it's specifically, like, you're supposed to, I don't know. It'll be some mistletoe-like tradition, except, like, particular Galwick that's, like, weird and awkward and teenage. But, like, you gotta do it. 
That's right. The person to your left at the table that's a has to be, you know, something very specifically placed. To, Maybe to it's like eat. mistletoe, except they have to play seven minutes in heaven. I don't know. Well, fair enough. All right. Well, <laughs> like they say on, uh, wait, wait, don't tell me. If that's what happens next week, <laughs> you will know who to blame as we watch one royal <laughs> But I think there's one thing that we do know well, about what's going to happen in this movie, Sarah. Oh, for sure. And that is, of course, they, they will, will fall in love. Fall in love. Because what's a Hallmark movie without that? Right. Anyway, tune in next week and or to our next episode to find out what happens on Hallmarked Up. Thank you for listening to Hallmarked Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up, and on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.